Welcome back to the Go Well podcast. This is Kate Mercer and it is my pleasure today to be talking with uh, Robert Pekin from Food Connect who over the past 20 years has been challenging and transforming the food and agricultural system in Australia. As a former organic dairy farmer and market gardener, Robert has become known as a practical and hands-on social entrepreneur working at the system's end of changing the way business can pivot away from the malaise the current food system operates within. In 2004, he founded Food Connect, a dynamic multi-farmer food distribution enterprise with an innovative community-based distribution system. In 2009, the Food Connect Foundation was launched to increase the scope of the fair food movement internationally and across Australia. Robert is a member of the National Board of Australian Social Enterprise Advisory Group. He's co-founder of the Australian Food Sovereignty Alliance, and he's a founding member of the board of the global software organisation Open Food Network. Welcome to the Go Well program, uh, Robert. It's great to have you on the show. Wonderful to be here, Kate. Now, I want to talk to you about everything to do with uh, food, Food Connect. So can we just actually start with a bit of background as to why you became so passionate about creating fair food systems? Yeah, well, I suppose it it mainly come through my lived experience of um, being born and bred on a dairy farm in Western Victoria, um, near Colac, and then um, coming back to the farm as the oldest child, maybe uh, 13 years after um, I left home at the age of 16 to explore the world, and, and then share farming with mum and dad and then eventually buying the farm off mum and dad. And the, the differences were so stark in that cooperative movement and all those farmers up and down our road and just the, the vibrancy and the participation and, um, you know, the localness. When I was a kid growing up and then when I came back, it was a totally different story. It was that, so this is, you know, left home at, in uh, 1979 and come back in 1993 and the world had changed, you know, um, cooperatives had been demutualized and, corpor- and corporatized. And um, it was about getting big. There were so many farmers who'd, who'd either, you know, sold out and moved on, but we were selling internationally. Milk prices had become very, very low. And all of the products that we used to produce back then in that area, um, mm. well, you know, in the end, I didn't even know where my milk went or what it was used um, you know, what it was turned into. Um, so there was just that, I mean, there was, you know, a number of things. One was that disconnect that I felt as a, as a you know, a farmer who was pretty keen, a new, you know, farmer who was pretty keen to, to be a dairy farmer, um, but also that conflict I had the, from the world I grew up as a child to the world I was now living in and thinking about a family myself. Obviously, I was married and thinking about that and I just sort of uh, those two worlds. And eventually when I lost the farm, um, through to uh, drought and low milk prices um, after going in and buying the farm at a fairly high price. That really set me on a course of thinking about, well, you know, was there a solution? Because in the late 90s, when deregulation was really starting to have an impact, there were suicides and there was, um, you know, a big social um, challenge that was in those areas where dairy farmers previously had such a vibrant life. Um, and there was so much participation and, and, and so many other things, you know, were grown obviously in the area as well that that really set me on a path of, okay, 
what could I do to be a solution on the ground instead of being angry and, and disgruntled and really heavily bashed up as a person who, as a farmer who lost their, lost the farm and being the fourth generation who lost the farm, there was that added extra guilt. And I just thought I couldn't, uh, being a person who loves a bit of a challenge, I thought, well, is there a solution out there? It's really, it's really good. It's so good to talk to you actually, Robert. It's, it does bring you tears to your eyes, actually. Um, the farming area is something that we should really have a lot more conversations about. It's just, it's going, it's always going through so much change, isn't it? And, uh, and it's really interesting when, um, when I first spoke with you on the phone to find out that you did actually spend your earlier years in this area around Creswick and Hepburn. You spent some time around here as well. That's right. Yeah, no, it was, um, well, I nearly went to boarding school in Ballarat. Um, so uh, uh, thankfully I was saved from that. But uh, mum and dad couldn't afford it. But yeah, to go back to your point, it was, I, I suppose what I essentially noticed was over the years, farmers had less and less control over their destiny, over what they did, mm. where they, you know, the price they were getting. And that was probably the most concerning bit that whilst it was meant to be a cooperative, in actual fact, it was being run by forces outside of their control, financial markets outside of their control, um, commodity markets outside of their control. And they were in this bind of obviously wanting to play on the world stage, but um, just, just the lack of, of agency and impact they could have on their own destiny mm. was probably one of the biggest social upheavals mm. that happened when I was yeah. farming. Yeah, so... Going back to solutions, when you very first started, because uh, you started Food Connect, and we'll, we'll start talking about that pretty soon. You started that 15 years ago. Well, but, but is that like when you started Food Connect, was that was that was the first sort of solutions-based organisation that you started, or did you do anything prior to that? No, I did. Prior to that, um, I, I disappeared to Tasmania to lick my wounds and just get away from the whole um, scene in Western Victoria. Um, cause, uh, because it was, you know, I was, I was, I was, um, I was a bit messed up. And uh, so in Tasmania, after about six months of um, bushwalking and thinking and, and running away from the, the issues at hand, just to get my head in order, I started up a little market garden that sold direct under this model, this community supported agriculture model that I'd heard about um, overseas and, uh, and put that into practice in a little farm like 10 minutes out of Hobart to the south um, on a piece of uh, rented land. An old dairy farmer rented me this piece of land. He heard my story and he said, well, you can borrow that six acre paddock over there and try out this bit of a weird model that I was explaining to him. And uh, that was where I really saw consumers, eaters, really wanted to have something to do. They wanted to give farmers back that empowerment. They, they wanted to participate. They wanted to receive healthy food. They wanted to know where their food come from. And so that really, that um, two years, I was in Tasmania, you know, this market garden that sold direct to about only about 20 people. Like it was really small and about five restaurants in Hobart. That really gave me insight into something bigger. I'm really, really pleased that you brought up the CSAs, community, what are they called? Community Service? Supported Agriculture. Supported well, Agriculture, yep. yeah. It's a good place to start because that's the earlier sort of uh, models, isn't it? Uh, model, actually. So, and then now I wanted to talk to you about regenerative farming. So, can you actually just talk for our listeners and for me um, so we can all become more, more educated about um, community supported agriculture first and the difference between that and what you're at now, which is regenerative farming? 
Yeah, well, supporting regenerative farmers. Yeah, so the, the basic principles behind community-supported agriculture um, are around risk sharing. So a community of eaters will support a farmer by purchasing food in advance or mm -hmm. an agreement to buy a season's worth of produce often at a certain price mm -hmm. um, and to support that farmer with, you know, whatever it is that the farmer didn't have the skills for. So marketing, particularly in a direct, you know, when, when you're selling direct, you need people who have got logistic skills and marketing skills and storytelling skills and organisational skills. And so that's what the community would provide. So the farmer could just focus on growing damn good food mm. and um, that support, that acknowledgement, that honouring where the food comes from and the people who grow it is a critical part of the, of the CSA principles. And it's mm. been practised all over the world. Um, mm. it, it, it has some pretty deep philosophies on true cost, on allowing the entrepreneur, in this case the farmer, to go about their business to unfold their true destiny or their true what they're on earth for, what, the, the, what their purpose is. Um, and so the, the purpose of what, the, what they call a core group that surrounds a farmer on a, in a CSA is to basically give the farmer all of the support they need to do or the farmers to do that sort of thing. And the models are in various forms. You can be uh, there's generally one farmer sometimes with a couple of other farmers who come in to provide the produce or the bits and pieces that they don't necessarily grow themselves. And then in my case, I when I moved up to Queensland and I'd set up about six of these CSAs after leaving that farm in Tasmania, I then realised that there was a big bunch of farmers out there who didn't want to go direct, grew really good produce, only grew four or five or six things really well, and I thought, well, what happens if I join all those farmers together and we have 50, 30 to 50 farmers all supplying a, a, a bigger base of eaters in a capital city to really allow this model an opportunity to scale? Because I felt the traditional CSA, the one farmer model, just was going to be too difficult for a lot of farmers to access that model, um, particularly in the Australian context where you've got you know, farmers so far away from capital cities, particularly here in Queensland and New South Wales. Mm. Um, Victoria, it's not so much a problem. There's a lot more CSAs in Victoria than there is in these states. But I was looking at it from, not from an organic farmer point of view or a biodynamic farmer point of view, I was looking at all farmers who were subject to the vagaries of the market and the economic conditions. I was looking at what sort of model, this is obviously, you know, a big vision. What sort of model could we put on the ground that allowed a lot of farmers to participate and basically replace the existing distribution system? And, that, and that's been, you know, we've been growing that idea ever since. It's an incredible vision and so there's, you know, so many aspects to it. So let's, let's go to Food Connect now and uh, mm -hmm. you're, which you established 15 years ago and you're now working, I've written down 160 local farmers and you're servicing a customer base in and around Brisbane within about a 500-kilometre radius. Is that right? Yeah, the average radius is about 140 kilometres is where we, you know, the average weekly kilometres that the fruit and veg, the fresh produce travels. That's right. Yep. Yeah, so it's... Um, and there's about, uh, there's about 50 makers. So it's about 160 farmers we source from on a yearly basis and, um, and about 50 to 60 makers. So... Um, small artisan producers, quite a few of them here uh, with us in the Food Connect shed. 
Yeah, it's an amazing thing you've done there. Well, and, and partly why I wanted you to come onto the show too is because in this area, I mean, I think in a lot of little small communities, everyone's looking for different ways to live more sustainably and know where their food comes from. So it's really interesting to talk to you about how you've developed your your current model. One of the things when you first started was uh, that you were on a radio. You were on a radio show up there and a group of mums heard you talking about it and they uh, came on board and became your city cousins. So can you just talk about distribution? Because obviously that's a big part of yes. it, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. They were, they were um, critical. Yeah, I, was, I was coming back from talking to a bunch of farmers about this model and um, the, on the radio, on ABC Radio, there was a hell of an argument, a very, very personal argument playing out between the, um, the head of the Queensland Fruit and Vegetable um, Association and the head of the Brisbane Markets uh, Limited. And it was, it was animated. Anyway, I got back and rang the radio station and said, who was that? Um, because, and they said, why? And I said, because I, I might have a solution. And then the radio station said, uh, well, can you come on the next day and talk about that solution? That, um, mm. that radio interview, the phones lit up um, and uh, those original mums from Brisbane who wanted to create this model that I spoke about on the radio in, in, um, in Brisbane. And then we got, maybe took four or five months later and we launched the model. And then after about two or three weeks of about four mums coming down to the farm to pick up this central farm where everything was packed, they come down and, um, you know, drag the kids down. And it was about an hour and 15 minutes there and, you know, there and then another hour and 15 back. And after about two weeks, they said, this isn't working. You know, it's too much. But if you bring all the produce to our house, we'll serve as a pickup point for all the people in our neighbourhood. And so that was the catalyst for us thinking, well, well, I thought that night, I thought I've got to name them something really clever. And I come up with the word city cousin. And that become this community distribution model where, they were becoming advocates on behalf of the farmers and, and on behalf of us to all the people who come and picked up. And so that was where, you know, this, this um, and they were participating, which is, you know, our theory of change is participation in something new really shifts people's thinking around a particular problem that, that, that they're trying to solve because they're participating. It's not, a, it's not an exercise theoretical. Um, at a theoretical level, it's an exercise at a really practical level. So that become the model, uh, you know, back then, and it still is our predominant form of distribution to this day. Mm, okay, so let's just talk through that actual process. You said that uh, your farm tours actually uh, helped people understand the actual process. Could you just describe that? Um, so actually how that is working right now from farm to table, including that distribution, to step us through that? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yes, no, that was the, um, uh, obviously, out of my lived experience, that lack of connection really drove me to call the company Food Connect, but also mm. to put on farm tours, because I felt that, you know, there was, a, at the time, you know, we we're talking 2004, there was nothing like this happening. And um, I really wanted to build a core group of people who had an association, you know, they had, they had a relationship with uh, with this group of farmers, this motley mm. group of farmers that um, mm. that come on board this this crazy idea, and that was where you could see people having conversations about much more than are you organic or are you biodynamic or are you whatever you are, because that wasn't important to me. It was around a more holistic vision of what our farmers could be, and for the farmers to feel like they had agency to farm, 
much more holistically than the organic standards or anything else they'd come across to really, um, as I said before, unfold what come out of the land at them, but also what they wanted to contribute back to community. And then where those eaters, that community, could also participate in bringing, you know, in, in their ideas, whether it's around uh, wildlife restoration or um, some sort of citizen science thing to do with birds or whatever it was on that landscape. So it was really bringing people in touch with a whole of landscape that, that the farmer mm. obviously owned, and I'm putting that in inverted commas because the central tenant of a CSA is where you have custodianship and there's accountability and responsibility. It's not about ownership per se. Mm. So that, um, those farm tours were absolutely critical in those relationships forming people from the city going, oh my God, there's so much more you know, in farming and to acknowledge the, the dedication and the work that farmers put into growing, you know, a really healthy crop without using chemicals and, and, and whilst, you know, preserving whatever parts of their land that they felt needed to be preserved or whatever it was that the farmer felt, you know, really strongly about. So um, that really set us up to, to be something very different and something more about a relationship than mm. about a business model. Well, I just want to now go back to a word that you used there, holistically, um, to get an understanding of what you, within this context, mean by that. So that does that sort of mean because each farmer might be growing something different or using his land differently, like say, for example, they might want to cultivate Indigenous bush tucker or something like that. So is that what you mean by holistic, that you're bringing in, that the farmer has that sort of licence, creative licence that's right. There was a, there was sort of layers to it. Um, mm. So the original document, this eight point checklist that I'd give farmers, which was a self assessment on what I meant by holistic. You know, mm. so it was uh, you know why are you farming? What books do you read? Um, what gets you fired up? What's going on on your farm in, from a whole landscape point of view? What's your engagement with community? Uh, what are your methodologies? You know, it was later on the questions were about your methodologies and what do you grow and, and you know, those basic things that we always ask a farmer. I wanted to see or, or to put a seed into farmers that I was building a, a, an entirely new way of thinking about how food could be grown and distributed. And I wanted to see whether they were, you know, could be excited by that. And so that, that document, that original document, was something that just purely gave them inspiration and agency, as you said before, to, um, to enter into a creative process of, mm. well, what do I want to do? Rather than sort of having someone from the city dictate to them and be very prescriptive about you have to meet these standards or you have to do this or you have to do that. I, I really believe that um, our true potential will never be realised until we uncover it for ourselves and we're allowed and we're supported. Mm. as I say, given agency. And that has, and, and that's where a farmer will go, well, you know, um, Rob, I want to, you know, um, you know, we had farmers who said, who got to be excited after one or two years and said, can I, can you put me in co direct contact with, you know, some restaurateurs? Cause I really want to, I, I want to go further with this model. And absolutely, you know, here we are, I'll give you this, this, and they would go direct, nothing to do with Food Connect. For us, it was about, mm. you know, we're not going to have system change unless we have scale and we have thousands of people all doing their bit um, inside, you know, mm -hmm. inside a network of change. Um, so 
uh, and, and then they would say, well, can you put me in touch with a, with a processor? Or what do you think about me processing on the farm? Can you help me? You know, can you put me in touch with investors who could help me and not go through the banks to raise the money? Which is, you know, there's so many layers to, mm. you know, how do you change the food system? You, know, you have to change the financial system. You have to change, you know, the paddock between um, not only farmers' ears, but the paddock between customers' ears. Um, so they get that, you know, the, the most amount of negative impact in the world is created by the food and agricultural system. We just have to flip that on its tail and say, well, if it's, if it's delivering the most impact negatively at the moment, then it's, it's not going to be too much of a, of a, um, of a challenge for us. Uh, and we've got so many farmers who are doing the opposite of that. They're having a really positive contribution to the environment. Imagine if, if the whole food and agriculture system focused on that solution side of it. Um, you know, you'll have, um, you're mobilising much, much more than what I could do individually or any of us can do individually. Mm, that's amazing. That's amazing. There's so, as you say, there's so many layers to it. I just want to go back to the regenerative farming again, yes. just to quickly sign that off because we're running out of time. So what you mean by that is um, basically that's around land management? It's... It's certainly, it's, well, you know, the term generative or regenerative, I mean, generative mm. is, is, is a good as term. It's, it's looking at everything, you as the farmer. Um, it's, looking at, it's, okay. it's looking at the whole system. How can we regenerate the okay. whole system? Okay. And if you're a farmer, you're obviously on the land and you're saying, right, you know, um, I need to uh, invest in methodologies or processes okay. and systems that both build biodiversity restore, um, you know, whatever it is, whether it's wetlands or whatever it is, in a, in a holistic way, rather than just being focused around the way you produce food, you know, the, the, the methodology you produce food. It's looking at the whole farm and restoring those ecosystem functions back to that farm, including, you know, the, the small water systems and the large water systems. There's going to be people listening in who are definitely going to be wanting to find out more. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned to me that you that, that uh, some of the organisations who are currently using your model that people would know of, and one of those is Ceres down in Melbourne, uh, Out of Our Own Backyards, Southwest yep. Food Hub as well in Victoria. Um, so those are places that we can put on our uh, Facebook page after the show today so people can find out more. Uh, also, your website, where, where, what would you suggest to people if they want to have more conversations and connect? What, what, would, what um, should they do? They can either jump on the foodconnectshed.com.au um, website or the foodconnect.com.au website. Um, they you know, just Google, uh, Google Food Connect or mm -hmm. me and um, you'll find plenty of information on uh, what we do and how we do it. Um, and as you said before, we are now developing a sort of a, an advanced model for the food shed. So this, this particular food hub that we run up here, which has currently got 30 different you know, social enterprises in food um, under the one roof working with us to change the food system. So that's the next phase for us is, um, is allowing a lot of people to replicate that model. So in and, other words, people can go on there um, who are interested in doing, starting up a similar sort of model in our area, for example, and find out all the ways they can do that through your organisation, Food Connect, by going online and, and talking to people and starting up those conversations. That's right, yeah. And we've also um, a buyer's club kit um, here. So that'll, that'll be on the website. So as an eater, if you want to support farmers, um, there's a, uh, the, this, this really great model called buyer's clubs or buyer's cooperatives. Um, there's so many people been practising that. So we've, 
done a lot of research on um, the different models and the different ways you can do it. I think we might get you on again in the future because obviously this is uh, there's change and things happening all the time. But uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in this area. Incredible. No troubles, Kate. And I completely understand. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than than mm. than just that. But uh, really happy to be on the show. And um, uh, any if any of listeners want to um, contact us, just email. Um, well, on the website you'll find the contact details. So um, feel free to, to reach out.